Never Seen, the podcast where we watch the films missing from our filmographies, those glaring gaps in our film education, the classic or immortal movies people are shocked you've never seen. My name's Jenny, I'm your host, and with me as ever, and hopefully always, are my lovely friends, the ever-lovely Stacey. Bonjour. And the ever-handsome Lee. Hiya. There he is. Uh, This is your birthday, apparently. What? Yes. <laughs> I yes. suppose we ought to sing happy birthday. No. You sure? We can do it in I'm, real I'm sexy quite, ways. I'm quite positive. You sure? Yeah. All right. We won't. <laughs> do we you won't. send the cash. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> are, there, are there any other like royalty free songs we can sing for you? <laughs> Anything mm. by. Um... Daisy Daisy. No, don't. No, let's not do that. No, Gilbert and Sullivan is, is royalty free, apparently. Is it? I think. I, don't I was in a Gilbert and Sullivan. Anyway. Yeah. Uh... Sure. So <laughs> this month's episode, episode is all about, because it was my choice, and I chose a film that I have never seen, shockingly. Um, it's quite a biggie, guys. I mean, <laughs> it's a major science fiction. What the fuck? Haven't you seen that yet, Newman? What's going on? It's 2001. A Space Odyssey in 1968. It is. Yeah. yeah. See, that deathly silence is like, friends, yeah. Jesus. I can't judge you because I hadn't seen it either. <laughs> I can judge you both. Yeah. Yeah, but judge you judge us all the time. <laughs> That's how this podcast came about. I, <laughs> it's from all your judgments. And I do judge you both. <laughs> every, every day, every time we mention something... You don't. E- we don't even have to be on the podcast, right, to be able to hear Lee just go, oh, for fuck's sake. That should have been the title of the podcast, to be honest. What, heavy heavy sigh, for fuck's sake? Yeah, for fuck's sake. <laughs> the, the for fuck's sake movie podcast. It should, yeah. That could be like our subtitle. <laughs> you know? That's what we should do. Yeah. Uh, so, yes, it was my choice and I have some details about it, but I have a funny feeling because I know that, Lee, I feel like this is one of your favourite films and I feel like you're going to be able to outdo me on the info on this one. Because, OK. Are you chickening out? I'm bottling it on some of it, but I'll give like the major details on like the fact this film was released in 1968 as we just previously said. It's directed by Stanley Kubrick, who we have mentioned in past episodes I'm not a huge fan of. So this was tough. Uh, It's also produced by Stanley Kubrick, and the screenplay was uh, by Stanley Kubrick and Arthur C. Clarke, a name I'm sure we have also mentioned before in sci-fi on episodes. the screenplay was also inspired by his 1951 short story, The Sentinel, and other short stories. Yeah. And then Clark also published a novelization of the film, plus three sequels as well. That was surprising. Mm-hmm. I mean, they all seem to have like a year in the title followed by whatever. Um, <laughs> let's go on to the cast. Um I just I went with this Keir. Now help me with his surname. How would you pronounce it? Is it Duet? Keir Dilley, I think. Keir Dilley. Okay. Yeah. So he played David Bowman. Yeah. 
uh, Greg Lockwood as Dr. Frank Paul. No, Gary Lockwood. Gary Lockwood. Why did I say? Never mind. That's my own writing. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Gary Lockwood as Dr. Frank Paul. Oopsie. Uh, William Sylvester as Dr. Hayward Floyd. Mm-hmm. Douglas Rain as Hell 9000. Yeah. Now, why is it? I saw, because I saw um, Douglas Rain's name, obviously, in the credits, and I thought, I know that name. And I couldn't place him for why I knew it. Okay. Unless... So, or he's got I, I can't I can't help you with that. No, no. Because I don't know him from anything particular. Nobody in the cast is particularly um well known. Famous from from anything pre- pro- the most well well known name in the cast is to me is Leonard Rossiter, who has a small appearance as, as a Russian scientist on the space station. Okay. Now, Leonard Rossiter is a very famous uh, British comedy actor. He was in Rising Dam. And the fall and rise of Reginald Perrin, okay, uh, which are two sitcoms on the BBC sitcoms in the seventies. Very familiar face, playing a straight role here and doing it really well, but it's a very minor role. Yeah, and it's, it's kind of distracting if you know him. It's it's it would like like having Ricky Gervais pop up. Okay, in, in something That's, you know. See, I'm glad you put that into kind of a, a culture reference that we'd get because I've no idea who the guy was. Oh, or is. I don't know. um but yeah so so yeah so he's probably the biggest name nobody kind of really went on to anything bigger after this either which is kind of strange well considering what a big movie it was yeah because it, it, it is a big movie i mean it's considered to be highly regarded and praised as one of the greatest and, and most influential films and i can see why having watched yeah, i mean it, it's, i'm generally i mean a lot of called it the best science fiction film ever made certainly uh you know uh, uh what's his name christopher nolan uh, james mm-hmm. cameron ridley scott certainly and george lucas uh, as well as george lucas know. spielberg will mention you know have, have yeah. all said this and you can see the influence of it in their their movies as well yeah. Um, sometimes it's 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 homage or, or they take it from it or like we I think like we mentioned with um, when we did Blade Runner. Sometimes it's a reaction against yeah. again against the the again getting ahead of ourselves. But the, it, it, there's a very sterile clinical scientific look to the film. Yeah. Whereas Star Wars and kind of Blade Runner went the opposite direction. So all the science, all all the machinery looks used up and and mm. you know, worn out and all that kind of stuff. See, this is the thing because so this was 1968. And yeah. Star Wars, uh, A New Hope. 77. 77. Yeah. Nine years and, later. Yeah, and I was watching it and um, 2001: A Space Odyssey. Watching that, and I was watching the um, the models of the spacecraft. Mm. And I was just thinking how amazing it looked because the, the it look, yeah it's phenomenal it just, yeah and then you think but Star Wars wasn't until nearly uh, what ten years later yeah nearly ten years later ten yeah. years later and you just think I mean everything that Star Wars did was epic for mm. moving special effects and that forward but what they did in '68 is almost baffling it, yeah it, I mean if you look at the film he did immediately before this Kubrick did immediately before this. Which was uh, Doctor Strangelove. I like I that, love that film. film. I love that yeah, film. Yeah, it's a great film. But you, if you, you, just the look of that mm. compared to the look of this, 
Yeah, yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. about yeah. 20 years apart. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Yeah, I, th- I genuinely thought they were. The fact that you're saying they're like a couple of years apart is genuinely Yeah, there's like four years difference because that's how long it takes Kubrick <sighs> to make a movie, wow. basically. But but Doctor Str- I mean, obviously, Doctor Strange Love is, is in black and white yeah. deliberately. Yeah. Uh, and there was there was still black and white movies being made in the early 60s and so on and stuff like yeah. that. But it looks it just like, yeah, a completely old. different era. It does. And it just it does look like it, it should belong in the 70s with things like Star Wars. Mm. And I know it's like you could you could say it's a father or the grandfather of all of of what came after it. Yeah. And I know from having done some research on it that the critics at the time are very split on this film, especially about what it was about or what it was well, saying and i can well, understand the critics hated it yeah at the at the premiere the new york premiere they had i think kubrick counted the walkouts and he counted 240 walkouts <laughs> during, during yes. the and this was an invited audience mm. it was the grand premiere and people were invited to be there it was you know people like paul newman and all oh, people like this and they were heckling the movie as yeah. it was going on now to be fair it was it was an earlier it was a different cut of what we've just watched. OK, it was, it was 20 minutes longer, but they were literally just howling and, and shouting at the screen going, move on, move on. Next scene, next scene. Yeah. And all this yeah. kind of stuff. Um, but okay. it was. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I'm getting getting ahead. No, it's fine. <laughs> I, I, I mean, it's this is great because I, I've, I've really just got very short notes because I just want to be able to talk about it. Really. Yeah. Well, I, I am a bit intrigued first to hear what your sort of history with this film is, because I know usually we talk a little bit about sort of like maybe why we haven't seen yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, like, I mean, for me, this one is a <laughs> this one is a really stupid one because um, I, I technically should have seen this before. Um, but way back in May 2012, uh, <laughs> me and my hubby got tickets to see this at the Electric Cinema in Birmingham, which is like one of uh, I think it's the country's oldest cinema. Um, and it's got a couple of lovely lovely big sofas at the back that we decided to to get the sofa tickets and um and and it happened to be the week of a heat wave and because it's one of britain's oldest cinemas there's Mm -hmm. no air con so i sat down and i thought yeah let's watch i can't wait this is going to be really good i've heard really good (laughs) things <laughs> Almost instantaneous. I mean, like I, so I fair. was making notes throughout this film of which bits I actually remembered seeing because I did wake up twice during the movie. So I saw most of the bit at the start with the uh, monolith, yeah. and then I was asleep, and then I woke up to a room with a lot of uh, red rectangles around, and then I fell asleep again, and then I woke up in a bedroom and then I fell asleep again <laughs> and that was oh, that fuck. film for me I feel like you just you were like you saw the beginning yeah. sort of the middle and then the very end and but you just say, well, well when you, you say, say sort of the red, middle yeah yeah well, are you talking about what you said the, the room with the red things was that the, the space station at the start with the red chairs or are no. you talking about Hal's I'm talking about Hal's memory banks Hal's brain yeah. Yeah. So you basically yeah. slept through, what, two hours? Two yeah. hours of the movie, woke up and went, I haven't got a fucking clue what's happening here, and went immediately <laughs> back to sleep. 
um and then and then I woke up and there was an old man in a bedroom and I was truly like hold on what in the fuck uh, and then I fell asleep again and then a few minutes later Rich was like it's finished now I mean to, to be fair if there's a film to fall asleep in front of this is the one because there's there's no dialogue yeah <laughs> yeah i think that's what it was it was like it was quiet it was hot mm. it was cozy it yeah uh, it and like there's a lot of scenes as well where it's just like oh look at space and yeah. that's very mesmerizing so i was just like <laughs> like immediately i was so glad that there weren't too many people in the cinema because i'm almost certain i would have been snoring <laughs> what a disaster person but I was really upset about it because I really wanted to see the film yeah but this was back in 2012 and I cannot tell you for why I haven't looked at it since yeah <laughs> like what made me make that decision I don't know but that's, that's my history well, with the film. I mean it is interesting because we've all we've all said how we don't mind watching a film that is of serious length in time you mm. know it's running time so I have no idea why it took it. Is it? Well, maybe it just took for the planets to align and for us to create this podcast so that we had reason. <laughs> maybe. Maybe, maybe yeah. that's what it was. Yeah. I mean. I, I think possibly because it's not a franchise. Yeah. It's it's not. There's a no film. urgency. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's no it's not okay. Oh, I need to catch up on it. Although there was a sequel. There was a sequel. Yeah. In, in eighty four. Um, but we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, but there's no there's no urgency. There's, you know, there's 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 no kind of like I said there's there's no it's franchises, there, there's no it? spin-offs. Yeah. Um, it's a hard one to 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 franchise. Um, and to to although there was a Marvel of all things, there was a Marvel comic by Jack Kirby <laughs> in the late seventies. <laughs> oh, that's the most mind blowing thing you've ever read in your life. It, it ran ten issues. Now, if you know Jack Kirby, who was the the uh, the artist who co-created almost the entire Marvel universe. You know, co-created yeah. Captain America, co-created the Avengers, um, co-created the, the Hulk and the X-Men and the Eternals and went to DC and did, you know, created Darkseid, the fourth world and the demon, all these. Now, if you know him, he's bombastic and powerful and four page kablams and all that kind of thing and bursting out the panels. The absolute opposite of what Kubrick does with this, which is very quiet and small and intricate. Mm-hmm. Um, and what he does, it, it lasted 10 issues. The first seven issues, he basically retells the same story every month <laughs> with a, somebody in history, either a caveman or like a, a Roman centurion or something, come, you know, finds the monolith, finds the solution to some problem. And then it skips ahead to this person's descendant who's an astronaut or whatever. And then they find the monolith again and they get turned into the space baby. And that's the end of the episode, the end of the issue. Next right. issue, same thing. That's, that's that's the thing for the first seven issues. And then uh. for the last three issues, he just went, fuck it. And he creates a, a superhero called Machine Man. <laughs> <laughs> and And that's the final three issues. He, he just goes, ah, screw it. I'm going to take the, I'm going to do the artificial intelligence Jesus. angle and just going to do a story about artificial intelligence and like this superhero, this robot superhero. Bizarre. Absolutely so, bizarre. Yeah, that okay. sounds insane. <laughs> so do, do you want to do your history of the film next week? Okay. Yeah. Okay. 
So my history with the film is uh, I saw Star Wars when I was eight, instantly became a fan of science fiction movies. And I bought when I was at school, when I was in junior school, just after 78, 79, I bought a book about science fiction or science or something like that. And it had some recommendations of the you know big science fiction films. And the two movies they mentioned were 2001 A Space Odyssey and Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Mm. So in my head, I imprinted on these two movies and I really wanted to see these two movies. Um, a few years later, I think it would have been, I, I looked it up and I think it would have been like 82, something like that, I'd have been about 11 or 12. They were on TV and I watched uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey Knowing all I knew of the plot was that it was about a spaceship on in which the computer tries to kill the crew. Mm-hmm. That's so I was expecting like an action suspense <laughs> thing, and, and and in my nine-year-old I was expecting Star Wars, right? Mm-hmm. And of course, it starts with monkeys <laughs> for half an hour, mm-hmm. which completely bamboozled me. Then the kind of a lot of space stuff. And then for some reason, there's all this classical music and the spaceships are kind of dancing or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like sing yep. some kind of swimming thing. And then the actual story starts about this spaceship and the, the, and the computer that goes mad. I enjoyed that bit. And then it all gets weird and trippy at the end. Right? <laughs> there's half an hour of I don't know what the hell's going on. So I didn't like it at all. <laughs> I don't think I'd have liked it if I saw it when I was 12. No. I, <laughs> I'd be like, what, what is this yeah. for? <laughs> yeah, I honestly just didn't know what the hell I was watching. I didn't I didn't understand what the monkeys were there for. I didn't understand, the, yeah, didn't understand the beginning, didn't understand the end. I kind of got into the, the killer robot computer mm-hmm. thing, although it wasn't as terribly thrilling <laughs> an experience <laughs> as I was expecting. Because I was expecting, you know, I'd seen the black hole with Maximilian, the big red robot with the spinning knives and stuff. So I was expecting that. Hmm. I was expecting, you know, a robot, no, just a robot that turns off a bit of life support. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, not literally it's something that's kind of off screen and that's the end. So I was hugely disappointed, absolutely crushed and thought, well, what the hell was that? And I also saw around about the same time I saw Close Encounters of the Third Kind and didn't like that either. Because, again, that's not Star Wars. It was, yeah. what's all this stuff about mashed potatoes? Mashed potatoes and, and noises. <laughs> what has it got to do with anything? So, anyway, so fast forward a couple more years. About 84 and 2010, the sequel comes out. And I was there, there, was, a, there was a magazine that Marvel put out called Epic Illustrated, which was their version of heavy metal now heavy metal is a kind of european style comic magazine for adults very arty um and this and this epic illustrated was was marvel's attempt to cash in on that um that market anyway um the, the, it had a, a amongst all the comic strips there was there was a movie review column by uh, a guy called denny o'neill who was who was a, a writer and uh, for dc famous writer and he he reviewed um 2010 did a small review of 2010 
And his first paragraph in that was, I don't understand why people are so confused by 2001. I don't, to be honest. It's a very simple story. And then he just laid out the meaning of it in a paragraph. And that completely unlocked <laughs> our brain. It just Because it's a very simple story. It's just told in a complicated way, mm-hmm. in, a, in an obscure way. It's a super simple story. Um, and literally in a paragraph, just went, it's this, you know, Neanderthals struggling to exist. An alien monolith appears. From that, they learn how to use tools. And then evolution, human evolution kicks off. A couple of millennia later, another monolith is found on the moon, which sends a signal to Jupiter, which sends the crew off, uh, a, a, a spaceship crew off to um, eventually confront their next stage in human evolution. Boom. Done. And that's it. In a nutshell. Completely but that's what it's about. Jeez. <laughs> I genuinely was worried that I was going to not understand this film because I'd heard a lot of people say that, like, it's really confusing and, like, truly baffling and, like, trippy and mad. And I was like, oh, no. And then I watched it and I I had that same feeling that I got when I watched um, Inception where I thought I must have missed something here because I think I understand this and I'm an idiot. So if I understand it and other people don't, I'm missing something. Yeah. But then I talked to Rich after after I watched this, and he was like, "No, that's what it's about." I was like, "Oh, yeah. <laughs> fantastic!" Yeah, it's it's. I think Dave Gibbons, when he was talking about the Watchmen, when he was talking about you know creating Watchmen, the comic with with Alan Moore, saying he kept the visuals really simple because it's a complicated story. Mm-hmm. So he said, if you've got a complicated story, you keep the visuals simple. If you've got a simple story, you can make the, the, the visuals complicated to create interest. And I think that's what this is. 2008, uh, 2008 2001 A Space Odyssey is a, essentially a very simple story told in a complicated way, yes. which is a fair way of telling a simple story. Um, but yeah, but it's it's and I, I read the the, the novel. Um, technically, it's not a novelization because it was written at the same time. OK. It was originally supposed to be okay. Skip, skip, yeah, skipping back to the to the origin in nineteen sixty three, sixty four, or something like that. Um, Kubrick decided he wanted to make a science fiction film. He wanted to make the you know the quintessential good science fiction movie. Hmm. Um, originally, he wanted to. He, he'd been reading some science fiction. He'd been reading some Arthur C. Clarke novels, and he wanted to do. Originally, one of his ideas was to adapt Arthur C. Clarke's uh, novel Childhood, Childhood's End. Um, and then he, he spoke to uh, Arthur C. Clarke, who was living in Sri Lanka at the time. Uh, well, through most of his life, he was living in Sri Lanka. Uh, they exchanged letters and met up and they you know, discussed what they could do. And they were, you know, they were talking about adapting another story and they bounced backwards and forwards, all these other ideas. They say to uh, one of the things they were going to do was adapt, as you said, this short story of his called The Sentinel, mm-hmm. which is about a bunch of astronauts on the moon who discover a strange alien object, which when they touch it, it sends off an alarm. And you find you find out that it's it's essentially a burglar alarm that's been placed on the moon. So an alien race knows when the human race has broken their boundaries. Okay. Okay. So very simple little story. He takes that, and there was another short story he did, 
called Encounter in the Dawn or something along those lines, Encounter in Dawn, uh, which is about a bunch of advanced astronauts interacting with a very primitive uh, alien race, mm. which is kind of the 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 prologue, the ape prologue, really. Okay. That kind of so, uh, and they kind of, I mean, they bounced around with lots of different things and it changed and they came, came up with the idea to do the what we'll do is we'll do the novel first you write the novel first and then we'll adapt that because Arthur C. Clarke was a novelist not a screenwriter they said well if we do the novel first that's done and then we can uh, we can essentially take the screenplay from that and adapt that hmm. but they, they but we won't release the novel until the film comes out so uh, it's a it's a it's a very strange way of doing stuff. So he was having to he was writing the novel and rewriting the novel as it was being shot. So and Kubrick is very mercurial and will change his mind a lot and and go you know and change stuff and cut stuff out and he'll ask for you know different ideas and then they'll develop that and then he'll bin them. So it must have been a nightmare trying to keep up writing. Yeah story while he was you know essentially while the film was being made <laughs> which is a weird way to go about doing things but anyway it kind of it kind of got done but um but yeah so, so that's that's what they did it, they kind of they were it's almost an anthology movie uh in that you've got kind of four separate vignettes really you've got the ape story You've kind of got the 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 monolith on the moon story. You've then got the the, the Hal Nine Thousand story, and then you've got the trippy evolution story at the end, mm. with very little kind of continuity between the two, mm-hmm. w- yeah. which is which is weird. Like ostensibly, like Dave Bowman is the star of the movie; he's the main character, but he doesn't appear until an hour in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, you think you think Howard Floyd maybe is going to be the main character, and he disappears. You know, <laughs> he comes in at half an hour and then disappears after mm. half an hour. So it's it's very and like through the through the the main segment, like the the, the Hell Nine Thousand segment, the monolith isn't mentioned. Mm. <laughs> That's it's not until right at the very end. You know, yeah. there's there's a little video clue. That, that says, you know, as he's dismantling Hal, um, spoilers, sorry, <laughs> I should say, spoiler, spoiler alert. Um, then suddenly that kind of activates the the a video message explaining to the crew what the real mission is because they didn't know. But you don't actually hear that, and you don't hear like Dave Bowman's reaction to it at all, and then it just skips ahead to 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 the trippy stargate sequence it's mm. very bizarre yeah, <laughs> very bizarre stuff it's uh, but it's but yeah but you read the novel and that kind it, it kind of irons out a lot of the you realize yeah there was, there was a conventional narrative there um basically kubrick made the decision to make it um non-verbal essentially it's a silent movie there's, there's, you know, there's very little dialogue. There's no, there's no dialogue for the first half an hour, no dialogue for the last half an hour. 
and very little dialogue in the whole rest of the movie. I think in a two and two hours, 20 minute movie that I think somebody counted it as like this 40 minutes worth of dialogue, which I mean, that that feels about right. Yeah. 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 And, And what dialogue remains is very banal and functional. There's no yeah. there's no juicy mm. dialogue there. It's literally just day to day scientific jargon, chit chat, and there's nothing fancy there. There's no real exposition or or anything like that. It's just chit chat. The only colourful dialogue really is Hal's. Yeah. <laughs> um, I love Hal. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you'd be terrified. I thought you'd be terrified no, by this movie. I am. Do you know what? The start, and then you've got Hal. Yeah, I didn't like the apes. I'll be honest, especially when they started figuring out tools and like really went yeah. to town on that skeleton. That upset me a bit. Um, but the, the thing that I was saying to Rich, like the thing that I thought was really funny about Hal, and I was like, I know that it's because they've done it because it's a film and it is trying to be scary in that sense. I said, but like, I love the idea that at any point in time when people are creating a nightmare AI, that they would ever give it that voice. (laughs) 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 Like that voice is just the creepiest. Like it's so pleasant, but unsettling. Well, that's that's it. That's the way it works. (laughs) It is, it is not because it, that's what's so weird and kind of brave about it is it's not a robot voice. Mm. It's not a Dalek voice. No, it's a very human monotonous. It's monotonous yeah, it's, voice. It's, it's kind of like a warm. I mean, um, what's his name? Um, Douglas Rain. Who, when he recorded it, he said he, he sat down you know, with his feet on a pillow, very comfortable to try and make his voice as relaxed as possible. Mm. Because that's it. But it's the very relaxedness of it. That's so it's uncanny valley time, yeah. isn't it? It's like a, yeah. a voice version of the uncanny valley. Yeah. Um, but it is. It's kind of, and it's, and I think I remember saying seeing an interview with him one time, saying about it, and that's just his voice. Hmm. So if you if he's ever on the phone, <laughs> the bank manager, no. <laughs> or something like that, you know, and you think, imagine getting a wrong number. And calling his house, you, <laughs> you know? have the wrong number, Dave. <laughs> but but yeah, it's 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 really. Str- I mean, it's it's really incredible actually watching it now. Like I really, I really enjoyed it watching it this time. Well, uh, I was just going to say we haven't really said much about what we actually thought about the film. So I'm. No. Like, I want to know what Jenny thought, because it was her pick, so it would be really yeah. funny if she hated it. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, I'll do, I'll do a short history of of me in the film, and okay. then I'll just I'll go straight into that, and then we'll go round. But um, what, I don't really have a history with the film. I've just never seen it. I've known about it, but I've never had the urge to actually want to sit down and watch it. For no other reason, then I just can't be asked. But... Um, <laughs> But because we're doing this podcast and because it, there does come a point where these films are so lauded and everything, you feel like mm. you really should watch them. Well, how, how much did you know beforehand? I didn't know anything. Because it's, it's one thing. of those super parodied movies. It, it's but mass- also, it, I feel uh, like the parodies have kind of disappeared. They have. And the only when it started, um, the only parody I could think of was Spaceballs. Yeah, yeah. Because I love Spaceballs. Oh, okay. 
I love I love Spaceballs, but I love Mel Brooks uh, most. I love most of his movies. Um, but I just I went into the film. I didn't know anything. Mm-hmm. And it, I, I picked up the DVD case and I was just looking at the back of it to see what, if any, sort of synopsis it gave or gives. And honestly, it doesn't. No. <laughs> it, it, it just says, the, the opening sentence says, 2001 A Space Odyssey is a countdown to tomorrow, a roadmap of human destiny, a quest for the infinite. What a load of nothing. Exactly. Yeah. And, and it, all it really does is go on to tell you about the making of the film, its visual achievements that it's lauded mm. and all those things that we already know, because th- that's part of the film's history and part of film history in and of itself. Yeah. Um, but now I just I just went in not knowing anything, which is quite nice, because then although. Yes, though, yes, I am going in with it knowing that it's this highly lauded masterpiece that everyone loves um, and all of these directors, because Sight and Sound did their, um, you know, their best movies ever list at the end of last year. They have an actual proper name for it, but it slips my mind. But it's basically what it is. Yeah. Greatest movies of all time sort of thing. And although 2001 A Space Odyssey made it into their top 10 final list, it wasn't number one. It was just in the top 10. Yeah. But it was number one for the director's list when they yeah. did the director's poll. They, and I can understand it because yeah. visually the film is stunning, mm-hmm. utterly stunning. Yeah. But <clears throat> because I have no history with the film at all, I, I, I got to go in with um, I don't I don't hate it off the bat because of this, that and the other. And I don't love it because I've never seen it. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, a clean slate. Uh, and I I can't remember if I said, I don't think I messaged you two to say that. I messaged you to say I was watching it. And I can't remember if I said to you two, but I definitely thought it. And I did have to check. Because when I started the film and not knowing anything about it or how it starts, I was sat there watching a black screen, hearing some music for about no. It's very insanely choir. And I was sat there listening to this and looking at a black screen, and I thought, I'm pretty certain the TV hasn't broken because I can hear. <laughs> and I even checked the info on the disc, you know, push the button, and it's like, yeah. no, it's, it's running. In the end, I did have to skip the scene because I was getting fucking bored of watching a black screen. Yeah. Yeah. And then I had, like, what was it, nearly... I don't think it was quite 10 minutes. I think it was maybe like five minutes or so of um, just the orchestral music. And then it went. This uh, this is where it pays to have a rich who you can you can go. Rich, is this supposed to be happening? And he'll lean over and go. Yeah, don't worry about it. (laughs) That's just it. Yeah, I didn't I didn't have a rich and I wasn't going to message you guys because I was like, right, I'm going to watch it now, guys. I'm not going to say anything more. Um, But then up came the MGM, you know, place card. And I thought, okay, okay. And then we went to the Planet of the Apes and um, it's it's strange because I thought visually this is stunning because although I don't enjoy all of Kubrick's movies, I think as a filmmaker and with his cinematographers, he makes stunning visual films. He's a filmmaker I admire more than enjoy. Yes. Um, He's a bit too too emotionless and sterile. um, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I. I thoroughly enjoyed Dr. Strangelove and it was a lot of fun, yeah. you know, yeah. um, this one, I didn't, I, I didn't not enjoy it and I didn't hate it, but you know, Lee, how you just described it, watching it as a 12 year old. Yeah. <laughs> it's basically how I felt watching it. No, I, no, I get it. I, I think, um, 
it's it's a bad first impression. Like we've mentioned before, certain movies make a bad first impression. And I think I would watch it again to get a better understanding and enjoyment from it because I the, think I think you need to. It's, yeah, it's a because, film clearly designed to be thought about. Yeah, uh, it wants you to go away and think about it. There's certain information in the film that you can't get from the film. Yeah. Like the famous match cut of the of the bone being thrown in the air and then it cuts to the satellite. That satellite isn't a satellite, it's a it's a it's an orbiting weapons platform, it's a nuclear bomb. So it's it's cutting from the first weapon to the ultimate weapon. Now you can't you, you don't get there's no information in, in the no, movie. I didn't get, get that, that at all. No. That's that's a clever cut and that's an important narrative um, connection to make but that's not there you need to you know it's it's kind of like you need to do homework on it so it's not a film you know by design it's not a film to 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 entertain you essentially and and i'll be honest there are very few films that I'm going to watch and then go do homework about them yeah, yeah, yeah. to understand. Because, you know, obviously I want a film to basically not tell me everything, but give me enough information that I can piece the the, piece, the, the, the puzzle together. Yeah. And although I was watching and thinking, OK, so we have we have gorillas and we have this monolith. And I was my notes were straight away like, OK, so we have the evolution of man. That that seems to be what's happening here. We mm. have an evolution of man. Um, and then we had the odd sort of, I hope maybe one day British Airways or Virgin Atlantic have that kind of, you know, cool space mm. travel because that looked quite nice. Yeah. Even with the uh, flight attendant's outfit, looked pretty cool. <laughs> what did make me really smile and laugh were the, the 10, 10 point instructions on how to use the, sport, the, the space toilet. Oh, yeah. I mean, the only joke in the in the movie yeah. Really? The only yeah. bit of humour in the movie. And I thought that was really It's tough. really but great. It also, it also shows you the level of detail they went into. Yeah. Because those instructions are real instructions. That's that's the thing, because I did I did read that um you know uh, that scientists and those like NASA and you know, so the, the space scientists, I guess, um did say that it um factually is one of the closest films you will get to what it's like. Yeah. To, to travel or go to space mm. and how it be, which I thought was was fascinating. Mm. Um, but it wasn't until we really got to the to more storytelling that I really got into it. So when we got to the when we got to um, David and Hal and yeah. all of that, I was really into it. I was mm. really enjoying it, and I loved the whole you know craze sort of sadistic. How nine thousand mm. and and all that. Well, you, but you, when you say the word crazy sadistic, you're actually making it sound more um, exciting than it is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Even even but that's completely. Even, even that's like, and it's not like you've got like today you would have like serious heavy underscore yeah. music to pump oh, up you, all you of. You totally it, have a female member of the crew in a ripped jumpsuit. Yeah. Yeah. And with you don't flashing lights running down the corridor. Yeah. And, with laser beams and i think that like when um when david went out to save his uh crewmate yeah you know that that hal had basically murdered and um, left him floating off into space mm-hmm. um what i loved was the silence yeah 
because yeah. obviously in space it's silent isn't it you know yeah. and I loved how they he he used that he just he didn't have scoring they had no music it was just silent even when the um uh, space vehicles he was using the sh- you know shuttles if you'd like to call them mm. they were all silent and I thought that's brilliant because thinking back to Star Wars and The Last Jedi, I think it was. Yeah, because that was the last one that Carrie Fisher did. When they had that big epic part in Star Wars The Last Jedi, and it was silence. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, the, the, no, the second one where the, the, the Star Destroyer like, like gets sliced. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. That's in the, the second one, isn't it? Yeah, yeah The Last Jedi. Yeah. Last yeah, Jedi, Jedi. Yeah. yeah, it's The yeah. Last Jedi. Oh, yeah, of course, yeah, Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, it. That's the last one, Because yeah. you got last in the title. I know. You my brain said it one. must have been the last... Yeah, I just remember when that film came out and that scene happened, there was like uproar from audience members, like what's wrong with the sound? And and cinemas had to start posting notices on their doors to say there is a section. It's a bit of this that's quiet. Yeah. Well, well, apparently 2001 had the same thing. Really? Had the the same bit. When um, Dave Bowman gets trapped in the the pod Mm. and he has to basically escape from the pod by shooting himself into yeah. the into the ship obviously there's no sound until the door closes yeah apparently they had people asking if there was something wrong with the with the sound at that point because the sound cuts out uh, although at that point i figure you, you should have been able to get there's been enough silence yeah. silence that you should be able to catch on to, you should have got the gist yeah that. but i just part of me was like it's I, th- I think perhaps even then, even though the silent era was what the twenties, early thirties, mm. maybe, you know, I think even in the late sixties, that's quite a bold move to make to just have it as silent. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And it just it works so well. It's atmospherically, it's gorgeous. Yeah. And and it's the, I, I um, mean, and tension wise, that the fact that you'd, you'd have long sequences of action, just breathing, yeah, and it's just ambient noise, the breathing and the beeps. Of, yeah. the, of the consoles and the, the mm. proximity alarms and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, the, liter- I mean, literally the breathing, that's pure horror movie stuff. Mm. Oh, that got me like nobody's business because, like, I mean, there's a million and one reasons why I would never go to fucking space to mm. start with. But space suits are like the first on that list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I cannot envision just being stuck in a suit. <laughs> like. Yeah. It's yeah. got to be hot. It's got to be uncomfortable. It's going to mm. be like it just looks like the worst. And just like, just th- there's there's so many sections where it's like five or six minutes straight of all you can hear is somebody's heavy breathing in a big yeah. old suit. And I was just like, I feel claustrophobic. In I was here. just about to say it'd be like really claustrophobic. Yeah, totally. Yeah, stressing me out. Yeah, but I, like I say it with, with someone who has no history and no real connection to the film. Um. I want to say that I completely understood it, and I didn't. I gathered that it was mostly about evolution um, of, of, of quote unquote, man, you know, mm. through time and into space, and, and and all of all that comes with that, you know, all of the um, achievements and everything from uh, the ape learning how to use tools and things. Although I did find them beating the shit out of one gorilla quite distressing. I mean, sure, you know. Mm survival of the fittest or whatever but i found that mm. a bit distressing um, well that, i mean that's um, i think yeah because you go from them it's quite it's quite interesting like to, to when you pick up on it like they're starving to death and they're mm. surrounded by these tapirs and it hasn't occurred to them to kill the animals and eat them they're literally yeah. just picking 
grass and berries and stuff. Yeah. Um, and then you you see them go from that to using the bone as a tool to to you know kill the tapirs and stuff. Mm. And then you see it go from oh well, we can use it to defend ourselves against intruders. Yeah. Uh, and it goes from being you know um, a tool to being a weapon and mm. stuff like that, which is a kind of again I don't I don't, I I'm not sure I understand all the layers to it. Mm. But I and I I'm I'm damn sure actually I don't understand all the layers to it because people have written books about there be, the must be so many yeah so many books and papers because I, I yeah so, so so the section with the David in Hell I was completely absorbed by it, it was great and I yeah. and I could absolutely see where Cameron was inspired with Terminator mm. you know and Skynet and all of mm. and all of that and then we and we, I, I think there's a big influence in the Abyss as well one yes. one of the things. What's interesting about 2001, in that it being such an influence, is there are there were no imitators mm. afterwards. There were no hundreds of 2001 knockoff movies. Uh, you know, in, smart. Suddenly, you know, there was surprisingly there wasn't a sudden influx of of really clever yeah. knockoff sci-fi movies. You know, but what but you I did could... get was a lot of trippy endings. Ah, oh, yes, no, because. Yeah, and you, you'd get you'd get that. I mean, even up to stuff like Interstellar and and, and things like that. And the abyss, you get kind of like a trippy ending. Yeah, you, there's a sort of a, a Stargatey esque scene at the end of the abyss and stuff like that. But, but I can, um, can understand why though, can't you? Because it, it, you mm. get something like a space odyssey, and how could you possibly try to imitate it? <laughs> why would you try? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, why exactly. would you try? It's just so, yeah, it's it, you, you need to be clever to do yeah, something like that yeah and you know there's going to be a but the knockoff market aren't like not star wars is easy to knock off yes you know yeah. cowboys you got, you know, space yeah absolutely exactly you know get some you know shiny black armor some yeah. funny looking swords some blasters and some creepy aliens you're away you yeah. know but something like you know to knock this off yeah you've got to be clever you've got to be so clever because for as much of it i i I know I'm going to sound like I'm really thick and I probably am, but for as much of it that I didn't really catch on or understand what I could obviously understand and see is how clever it is. How, mm. even though I felt it lacked storytelling, cause I didn't have a, I didn't have a sodding clue half the time what the fuck was going yeah, on, Yeah. but it is very clever storytelling, even to David going through that really weird, you know, tunnel scape and then yeah. to his, to his own, seeing his own life. Yeah. sort of go ahead of him and then go back to creation. By the way, that space baby, fucking ugly. <laughs> oh, I Space baby is a nightmare. That's one of my Those, yeah. I, I swear he had one eye big or it had one eye bigger than the other. Creeped me out. I didn't. <laughs> That's why I don't have children. So <laughs> Space babies why you, Jenny. You, you know babies don't come out looking like that if <laughs> I'm going to have nightmares forever that that's the sort of thing that would have come from my hoo-ha and I do not need to know that. <laughs> but like I say, I would say, I think it is it is one I would actually re, seriously revisit yeah. to watch again. I, I highly recommend the sequel. Uh, See, now to, I watched, yeah. I just watched the trailer for the sequel and I feel like, well, that looks like that's got more story and understanding yeah. than it's, you know, it's previous. I, I, yeah, 2010 is a really good movie. It's yeah. much more conventional and yeah. it kind of um, 
It's by it's by Peter Hyams, who's who's a filmmaker I really like. He did uh, Capricorn One and Outland and 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 stuff like. That. He's really good with the dialogue. Cool. So, I've never heard he, of those. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. So neither am I. My life. So soldiering on, ignoring that completely. Um. So it, you do get some answers. Uh, as a sequel should give you, you know, it moves the story on a bit. You do yeah. find out what Hal malfunctioned and okay. stuff like that. Because the sequel, basically, the sequel is like a second mission, essentially, goes okay. to recover um, the discovery and mm. they, they reactivate Hal to find out what happened, essentially. So um, I won't say any more than that, but, it's, but, a... it, but it's, re- it's really good and I enjoyed that. A I'd lot like more to, I, than 2001. It's a much I more would like to, I think that's the thing because a, a conventional film is conventional storytelling, yeah. a beginning, yeah. middle, and end. And 2001 Space Force, it doesn't have the connecting tissue. I think that's why I liked the section with David and Hal so much more. Yeah. And then it went off its rocker again. Have you ever seen the film Moon? Yes, yeah. I loved I feel, it. I feel like you would love Moon because it's I loved like that Moon. segment, but it's a little bit different. <laughs> I had to, yeah. Yes, because I watched it for my master's course, and I, oh, I, I think absolutely. It's a movie. And it's and what's and I will come back to our topic this month. But what I loved about Moon so much, connecting tissue, connecting tissue, is that it's it was a low budget film, yeah. but it's mm. stunning. Again, it's a stunning film to watch. What they managed to do, mm. um, I thought it was superb. Really enjoyed it. Um, I um I have not yet said whether I liked 2001: A Space Odyssey. You should uh, say it now. <laughs> so you I should, should say it now, shouldn't I? Should, um, yeah. I am absolutely livid that I have not seen this before. What a fucking idiot! It's now one of my new favourite movies. Um, I swear to God, you two are trolls. <laughs> <laughs> you are trolls. <laughs> you fucked me around with it. <laughs> I guarantee. Absolutely sure that you both go, what a load of shit. <laughs> I've, got, I've got five pages of defense. No, we have said that about one film. Yeah. One no. Film. So, so, I, so I put I put this film on and I was worried. I, I was worried on, on three counts. I was worried that I wasn't going to understand it because a lot of people had told me it was confusing. Uh, I was worried that it was it seemed long and I was scared that it was going to be, you know, uh, long without the content to actually back that the fuck up, and because I was also it, it, worried. It's, it's absolutely the film you should hate. <laughs> well, okay, hear me out though. I was okay. also worried as well that I was gonna <laughs> that I was gonna fall asleep again. That was my other worry because I was very tired this weekend. I've had a I've had yeah. a trying couple of weeks mental health wise, and I thought mm. I'm just gonna nod off. That's what's gonna happen. I was fucking mesmerised from start to finish mm. because even the bits of this movie that ostensibly I should be saying, cut this down for fuck's sake. Like, you know how when we talked about um, good, the, bad. Uh, the good, the bad and the ugly and I was yeah. talking about how like almost every scene could probably have about a minute knocked off it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Absolutely. You could say that about this movie, but I would yeah. kill you if you even suggested it. I'm exactly the same. <laughs> I'm honestly the same. It's like you could, but the way Kubrick films it, yes, I want I, to see it. Like it's so beautiful, and never before have I been so happy to hear Blue Danube more than once 
in its entirety in a because normally if a song gets repeated in a film I'm like why are you doing this put something else in there what are you doing mm. um but like just the way that the I kept checking with Rich I was like are you sure this came out in 68 because this looks like fucking I want I want to cut off a slice of it and have it for my dinner it looks delicious <laughs> like I just I cannot every sequence like whether that was things happening out in space with people flying around or you know um ships even the bits where it was like a ship very slowly docking into another ship yeah. Yeah. I was just like everything about this looks real like it looks real it looks like it is, a, a yeah. fucking documentary about space I was like I can't and then the thing that blew my tiny mind more than anything and rich couldn't stop laughing at me when i told him because he was like stace that's a nothing scene what's wrong with you but i one of the things i love about cinema is and I, it's sort of one of the reasons why i like but sort of also am a bit scared of uh, magic <laughs> is i love seeing things that i personally can't figure out so even though it stresses me out a tiny bit especially with magic because i'm like how are you doing this right in front of me this is trickery what's going on but like in cinema so the the bit where i think it's the very start of the section with hal and the the crew on the jupiter um mission where he's jogging around that circular room and he's on the walls and he's jogging around like i i was staring at it for so long like how did they get this shot it looks like he's jogging horizontally (laughs) around 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 like none of this makes sense and then it cuts to sort of behind him and you can see the 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 room sort of curving ahead of him and i was just like this is fucking phenomenal (laughs) which was like he's only jogging I i don't care I could watch this all day. <laughs> like, I, I actually, one of my notes was, Kubrick is really fucking good, though, eh? <laughs> so so it, just, I just, it blew, honestly, it blew my tiny mind. I was like, how are they doing this in 68? How in the blue fuck were they doing this? Right. But it's it all, reminds it's me. It's all practical, you know? It is it's practical, and it reminds beautiful. me of, um, gosh, Fred Astaire film, which yeah, was yeah, probably yeah. The, back, was it the 40s? on the ceiling thing, yeah. Yeah, when they, wasn't it that they moved the entire yeah, right. It's Room, a rotating they, they set. rotate. They rotate the entire set and nailed yeah. everything down, so it looked like Fred Astaire was dancing up the walls, yeah, across yeah. the ceiling, then back down the other wall, and then back onto the floor. Yeah, it's and kind it's, of like a really old trick, like you say. It's yeah. From whatever it was the twenties or something, it's a, it's an old trick. Yeah, but I did it, the it same looks in, fresh. I did it in. Um, the fly. Night, and Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. Yeah. I think the thing that got me about it in this film is that if you if somebody was making this today, that would have been CGI and it wouldn't have looked yeah, anywhere yeah. near as good. Yeah. No. Like that to me looked like a man running along a wall around and around in a circle. And my brain was just like, but well that, that must be what you that's what's happening. He's running around. <laughs> like, what, what, yeah, what I find interesting for. is they show you how it's done in the literally the next scene, in the next shot. Mm. So you see him ostensibly running upside down in a big circle mm. and then like you say the next shot of him stuck on the bottom with the basically the room rotating around him and that's that's what it looks like yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. what it was it's a rotating circular set but, so it's, it's a, but it's but you don't make that kind of connection in your head you, mm. it, the, the second shot looks just as weird as the mm. first shot because you're not used to seeing the world rotate around a person yeah. like that. It's, it's I, very. Bizarre. Sorry, 
Now, I was, I was going to say, I think what you just said, Stace, is the thing about this film, because it's made in 68. So CGI, it didn't really exist at all. It's all practical. Oh, it didn't, didn't exist at, at all. all. You got the well, models. Even even the computer readouts. You've got the on the on the on the consoles of the spaceships. You've got like line drawings, animated line drawings. Yeah. Those yeah. aren't CGI. Those are hand animated to yeah, look exactly. like the computer. It's, it, it, it's, it's, it's all it's all there, so you can you yeah. can see it. You know, there's just no CGI. And if they make they tr- even attempted to make this film again today, and you know at some point they will because they mm. can't help themselves in Hollywood. It just it would lose everything. It would lose every charm about it. Because- yeah, I think I think that's what it was. Is that to me is that it, it was so refreshing because I think sometimes, um, like I sort of take visuals in some things for granted now because I'm I try not to do it because it's not very fair. But my eye is very often drawn to bad CGI, and mm-hmm. it, and if a if a film isn't grasping me in the sense of like. I don't know, the plot or the actors or whatever, then that will stick out even more to me like a giant sore thumb. Yeah. And this film, because as you were saying, it doesn't really have like a cohesive narrative and it doesn't have an awful lot of dialogue. So it is relying on wearing you with what you're looking at. Mm. And and I think that that's where it blew my mind is that I was like, if you'd have said to me that I would have spent two and a half hours largely just watching a ship very slowly docking into another ship or yeah. a small shuttle yeah. just driving yeah. away from another, like very slowly driving away from a, or a man jogging for a good 10 minutes. I'd mm. be like, what are you fucking smoking? Of course mm. I'm not watching two and a half hours of that. You're insane. But I, like literally, I, cause when it got to the intermission, mm. um, which is the thing that I kind of love. And I did, I did stop to make myself a lovely pot of tea. No, my BB-8 teapot. Yeah. Um, but when it got to the intermission, I was like, oh, am I like halfway through this movie already? Mm. Because I was just so like. Yeah. Absorbed. Yeah. It's a very short, long movie. It is. It is. Yeah. 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 I think I think because of the like I watched it again today um, or watched about half of it, got about halfway through today. Like that. I remember the, 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 the prehistory sequence going on forever. Mm. Yeah. But it was it was but it's it's only like about 20 odd minutes and it feels like it, it came and went really quickly. You know, the, the stuff you remember about it, from like, literally from when I was 12, about it just going on and on and the long shots and stuff. There's actually, you know, the, the storytelling is quite economical there, really. They don't, you know, but it's 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 all visual. There's no I mean, originally they was going to ha- they were going to have a voiceover explaining the story as you go along oh, i would have hated oh, that, that would have been which annoying. yeah which uh, would have been documentary which, then wouldn't it? has used those pre- in the previous films and films afterwards uh and he was going to have one of this he likes voiceovers he likes it likes narration and he just went against it and uh, just changed his mind uh, which is well. kind of bold um and just just dropped the viewer in the in the middle of it and he just went i'm just it's just going to be it's it's just going to be like a physical experience, like like a painting or music. It's it's a ballet essentially. If mm. you've ever seen a ballet, ballet is non-narrative. There's no or, or non-dialogue. There's no dialogue or lyrics to a ballet. It's storytelling entirely through the dance and the movement. Mm-hmm. And that's I mean I think you know the choice of like the Blue Danube, um, 
isn't and, and then there's another one from a ballet as well they, they, yeah these 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 aren't coincidental that he's taking ballet um mm. cues uh, for these sequences uh although again even now umpteen years later 40 years on when the blue damn you comes in the first time i still have to kind of choke back a laugh because it's been so parodied so is it often. the simpsons that's the one that got yeah. me because that, like, that suddenly clicked for me i was like well, oh back, that's back why in, it was in the simpsons yeah back in the 70s and 80s every, every comedy sketch show had a, a parody on on this or you know tv commercials all that their little riffs on you know the blue danube and and stuff like that you know it was mm. it, it it became you know it's it's one that's just a thankfully it's kind of disappeared since but it is like you say you know space balls and stuff mm. really a really common trope to have a 2001 a space Odyssey parody both the blue danube and um outside space zarathustra you know yeah. uh, that that piece becomes a cliche it was so used in other contexts it become like you know it's it, a parody of itself and it becomes yeah. hard to 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 take it seriously in its original context because it's been so buffooned um, i am um, i will be since, honest there was part one part of the film that really made me laugh and it shouldn't have and it was it, it should have been like <laughs> this is really mean it, sh- it should have been like a really like dramatic moment but um <laughs> there's the bit where uh they're in the like colour coded spacesuits, and yeah. one of them is watching a monitor as the yellow one, uh, the guy in the yellow spacesuit just mm. sort of like pings off into space. That shot of the monitor with him just like whizzing across it really made me laugh. And I thought, that's really mean. He's going to die in space. But it looked so silly. <laughs> I felt really bad. He was just like twizzling around on these scrolls. I was like, no, this is brilliant. I love it. Um, which genuinely made me feel bad because the rest of the The thing about this film is that um, like... I wasn't I knew it was like not a you know happy movie it's not a like a jolly (laughs) romp of a movie Mm. but I didn't realize quite how unsettling it was gonna be um because like I mean the bit so the bit where um Dave goes into Hal's memory banks and starts like individually pulling yeah. out bits yeah lobotomizing him yeah, yeah and how is like in his you know wonderfully calm eerie voice I'm he's joking. saying things like i don't understand why you're doing this to me dave mm. <laughs> and and he's like, i can i can feel my memories going dave yeah. well i'm sorry my dave. mind is going yeah away. and it's just, and then he starts singing daisy and it yeah. goes all yeah. it goes all like it's oh, like, like it's that like make my skin crawl yeah. so effective and it goes on for so long which just makes it so much worse because <laughs> like, it's so slow yeah, yeah. And yeah, Dave it's all about replying. those slow unscrewing of the units and they yeah. pop out slow, oh, they're ejected slow. That whole thing made my shit itch. I was like, oh, I just, I hate... <laughs> <laughs> what a lovely turn of phrase, Dave. <laughs> See, what, what did make me smirk, actually, when I was watching it, was when he's watching TV and all of a sudden BBC came on. I thought, fucking yeah. hell, <laughs> that's still going. BBC you know? 12. Yeah, yeah. And, well, he, here's the thing, because we were... Oh my, we're up to I think yeah, there was we were up to BBC Seven a few years back. There was a, there was a channel 
you know, radio mm. channel BBC Seven. They've kind of reeled it back now. But we were on the way there. So, and, you know, towards that stuff. And there's so stuff, so much stuff that's kind of like prescient in this. Yes. Um, that you don't like, for example, I remember watching the bit where he does the, the video phone call. Yes. To, and, and Floyd does the video phone call and talks to his daughter. I mean, you kind of accept that as like a sci fi trope, but you go, actually, they really nailed that. That's, yes. In it's fact, true. The only thing is, you can do it on your, on your, in your hand you know it's a little thing that's in your hand you can you can do it but Watch. but i remember seeing the the charge come up at the end saying one dollar sixty or something like that yeah, yeah. Thinking, hilarious how expensive that was yeah and that's a standard <laughs> yeah kind of, yeah that's what a phone call costs now they know yeah, that Im- imagine, I was like, well imagine though that that I, I looked at it and thought that's really cheap for interstellar yeah, well, yeah. at that point <laughs> there you go oh yeah that's, that's a good rate <laughs> yeah considering o2 want to charge me six pounds a day to use my phone in america yeah. <laughs> that's really yeah i'd rather that's go to space from, from orbit really yeah yeah, yeah from orbit. charges yeah but it's, it's interesting you say about it being it being like a painting earlier, because mm. when I was watching it, of course, 68. So this is all about using matte paintings. It's it was still yeah. a massive practical art. And, and front projection as well. All yeah. the it, during the, the, the ape sequences, all those big vistas at the back mm. are, are rear projection or front projection, um, I, which is watching, it's all it's all on on stages, on sound stages, which is. Yeah. Which again. I didn't realize at the time watching it i mean mm-hmm. not really but it's like watching when the um the scientists are all going down to the monolith that's on the moon yeah and you know when they're just sort of they're going underground it's, and and i think purely because um the dvd is remastered so it's very very clean mm. and there was only that moment where i could see where you've got the map painting sort of placed in mm. to where their set is do you know it's the only spot though that i could see where, where that had happened um i didn't say that I, that that sequence just freaks me out that kind of that music they picked there which is yeah um i think it's called Atmos, atmospheres by georgie ligetti okay um just creeps me out so much that mm. sequence but, and they're walking down there and it just looks so real to me the way yeah. it's shot it's yeah. brilliant it looks yeah. it looks like yeah like say it looks like documentary footage like Absolutely. that handheld again you know that kind and of, it was almost like a footage or, sequence or at least yeah. it it looks like it was steady cam which steady cam mm. wasn't really used until the 70s no. it was uh, yeah. well actually well i read that apparently the first person to use steady cam was actually john carpenter with halloween mm. although kubrick of course um with the shining yeah. as well but um the, the only other bit that really got me thinking like this is 1968. How did they do this? Because ILM didn't exist. Mm-hmm. There was Disney that did some special effects on screen. Because was that the black hole or something we watched where the, yeah, the yeah. lightning monster? That's what I think. Oh, no, that, no. Forbidden Planet. Forbidden Planet. Thank yeah. you. That one. But when we get towards the end where David's gone, I feel like he's gone through the monolith, if you like. And mm. we're seeing that light show, that fantastic kaleidoscope. Yeah. And I'm watching that and and all the time I'm thinking, this is nineteen sixty-eight. This how did they how did they yeah, pull it's off? Not, it's, it's, it's it's a it's a pure like uh, a little a visual trick. It's it's yeah. a, a slit a slitting glass and as objects pass 
yeah. by it they kind of streak out in the reflections and, and stuff like that it's like how they did the original doctor who titles okay, okay. Uh, around about that time so it must have been kind of like a hip popular little yeah way of just, doing it. It but it's so also clever. a lost kind of thing to do now you, it yeah. looks different because it's it's disappeared mm. it's like they would easily do it today with just you know Oh know, yeah, light lights or just computer graphics. It'd I mean, be... my, my laptop screensaver does yeah, that exactly. automatically. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. Mac, Mac does the same. Yeah, you're already equalising that too. But no, I was just watching that and thinking, this is always thinking this is 1968. Star Wars yeah. hasn't even happened yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is. I mean, I mean, again, to, I mean, we mentioned this a bit with Planet of the Apes when we talked about that. Um, this was released the same year as Planet of the Apes. And even um, in some places it was released, it, it, like the premieres are kind of hard to put down because they'll do like a premiere, like an L.A. premiere, then a New yeah. York premiere and then a general release premiere and stuff like that. But, you, you, you know, you could almost, you know, depending how you count what a premiere is, Planet of the Apes in 2001 Space Odyssey premiered at the, on the same weekend. <laughs> That's a hell of a weekend. For sci-fi it's a good weekend. It's a great weekend. Um, and I, I just like the parallels there are kind of and, and like and the oppositions there. I think they're a phenomenal pair of movies. I know you two didn't really dig Planet of the Apes too much, but yeah. you know, shut up. Um, <laughs> but, but to have that kind of and I I I feel like the also what's interesting is this came out the a year before the moon landing. So this is pre-moon landings, and when they yeah. were making it, they were very aware that by the time this comes out, they knew the space race was on, the mm. moon race was on, and they were aware of, we need to be careful what we do here because we could end up releasing this and looking stupid. <laughs> and and it's the point where real life caught up with science fiction, yeah, which I think is a really significant point. Like the, the earliest sci-fi stories and the earliest sci-fi movies were about voyages to the moon, you know, and mm. stuff like that, journeys to the moon. Uh, and then literally real life got to that point. Uh, so we're at that. And that's where kind of I feel like 2001 kind of ends that era yeah. of kind of that spe- speculation, that space travel, looking to the stars type story. And I, and then Planted Apes picks up that kind of we're going to fuck this all up. It's going to go a step and five forward. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I did have that feeling with this and they're on, like, on the moon and they're you know heading to Jupiter and thinking to myself you know there's a lot of people that believe that the moon landing didn't happen that it was just mm. a massive con and yeah. it was all done on a sound stage because you know the flag is or isn't moving or whatever and you know there's all these other things that shouldn't happen in space or whatnot and you watch that then you watch 2001 and you can kind of see what you know if they could do that <laughs> Yeah. Did they just give him a little ring and say, "Look, Stan"? Um... Well, that, yeah. I mean, there's, there's the urban myth about Kubrick shot it on shot it on the on the stages, the 2001 yeah. stage. Bullshit. Yeah. Let, let me just put that right out there, just exactly. in case there's anybody yeah. who's about to accuse us of of being the you know, conspiracy, conspiracy theorists. Theorist. Yeah, bullshit. Yeah, exactly. But um, but but yeah, because there's so much. I mean, again, the one that gets me is. One of the conspiracy, and they, I know we're, we're going off on a tantric, but one of the conspiracy theories saying that the reason you can tell it's fake is because there's no crater under the landing module. 
Yeah. You know, whereas if it come down and with the afterburners, there should be a crater. That's the bit that actually convinced me that it's real, because if you look at all the kind of um, development art when they when they were developing, you know, the early plans for the lamb and all that kind of stuff, uh-huh. um, they they were all drawn with a crater underneath the landing module. So they were expecting a crater under yeah. the landing so if they were going to fake it they'd have put a crater under the landing module they didn't <laughs> know that the surface of the moon would be so fine and the the, the, the gravity would be so light that no, it, it, just, it just all blew away flat mm, so okay. but anyway yeah so but yeah do you want to hear another urban myth about 2001 a space odyssey yes please. yes i do have you heard the one about ronnie corbett no. playing one of the apes no. <laughs> there's, there's a, there was an urban myth that Ronnie Corbett played one of the apes at the start, one of the tribe. And somebody asked, I think it was Graham Norton, asked um, Ronnie Corbett about it. And he said, no, 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 no. I was just there for the makeup tests. <laughs> so, which is like, fucking what? That's even weird. Yeah. <laughs> it was almost cast. He was, uh, Stanley Kubrick, he was doing, Ronnie Corbett was doing a Sunday night at the London Palladium gig doing a skit i can't remember if he was doing a skit as a as a, as a monkey or a or a caveman or something and kubrick literally looked at him and went hey that guy that guy <laughs> could could be one of our apes so they got in touch with his agent and they got him around to the makeup guy and he was doing the makeup tests and everything else they had him in the ape makeup and it was just because he was freaking out at the at the uh the, the sculpts you know the 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 moulds that they yeah. put in, where they stick the straws up, you know, and I don't blame him for freaking out. I would no, no, it looks awful. Like I horrible. could not do that at all. And he was kind of freaking out about that kind of, and eventually he didn't get cast. Yeah. But the fact that he got that close blows my tiny <laughs> mind. <laughs> and just to go on those whole like face masks and straws up your nose. One of the reasons I really don't like it. Do you remember a Dawn French Jennifer Saunders series called Murder Most Horrid? Yeah. There was a scene in one of those where one of them had one of those face masks on and she had straws up her nose and someone just put stoppers on the end of the straws and that's yeah. how she was murdered. It's like, no, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's never exactly that. what I'd no. be expecting. That's what well, I'd then, be expecting. Well, then it's just pinch the ends. Yeah. Like, no, that's it. And you're no, thank you. But anyway. <laughs> yeah. I find them distressing because I just have a hard time breathing through my nose like ever. Me too. Yeah, <laughs> if it's not hay fever, it's a cold. Exactly. So. I don't mean to be like a weird mouth breather, but I basically am. Oh, well, yeah, I definitely am. I've said, to, I've said to people before, look, if I ever just look like I'm sitting there like properly gormless, it's just it's just the way my mouth has to fall so I can actually breathe. breathe yeah. <laughs> We've gone on so many tangents. Um. Like one of the other things I wanted to bring up about this film as well was I absolutely loved like all the sort of costumery yes. in it as well. Like um like you were saying before about the uh the stewardesses on the different mm. flights and stuff, they were great. And I loved that um sort of like anti gravity like sticky shoe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was so like clever. Um yeah. but then I was I was even more amazed when he when that guy um Oh, I forgot his name. Was it Hayward? Uh, Floyd. Yeah. Floyd. There you go. Um, when he gets onto like whatever space station it was he was going to, and there's all those ladies in those wonderful sort of like pink air stewardess kind of yeah, yeah. outfits, yeah. which I absolutely loved, with all that very sort of late sixties 
furniture, red furniture. I loved oh, all of that. The set deck was gorgeous. Honestly, mm. the set deck in this film is just phenomenal. Yeah. Really, I mean, it's just that whole thing about the use of colour. Like yeah. it's all predominantly kind of sanitised kind of whites and and greys and the, the black of space. But yeah. then you'll get these big blobs of bright primary colour, like the I mean, red seating in the space suits. Space suits. Yeah. And uh, how bold those colours are. Even yeah, really kind of, you know, you, you look at them and you go, those are really primary yeah. colours. That's not what you'd expect. And even mm. in, in the print I was watching, it's like they're so vivid still. And mm. I know it's, you know, we're in we're in space a lot. And so it's black with these vibrant colours and these gorgeous yeah. Uh, costumes and cuts that they've done for them all but it's just it's still so vibrant um and yeah i i loved it the set deck and the costumes i thought um for this were amazing it was so good so good and 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 it's weird because it was they were of their time like so like stay set so like of the late 60s and that style Mm. but also not they're sort of they were also slightly futuristic too um, yeah. yeah. Well, they're kind of, of yeah, sixties futuristic. Yeah. yeah. Kind of One of the things ergonomic. I do love, and what I do love about like, um, especially sort of like sixties and seventies visions of the future, is that like they have all this like whizzy technology and stuff, but they never considered that the thing that we would actually do with it is try to make it smaller. So yeah. it's all like yeah. big blocky consoles, and I actually kind of love that about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it and it is things like this. And that and like Star Trek, we you know, like we watch we watch in, in two thousand and one that he makes a video call to his yeah. daughter and in Star Trek we see them use all the you know, tricorders and all these other things. Yeah. Oh and yeah, I mean there's a there's an iPad, there's a shop. There's an iPad. There's an iPad. Exactly. And it, and now we have all of these things. And it's yeah. because these these, you know, designers and creators of all of those objects would watch these films and these programs and like one day, one day I'm gonna make that a reality. Yeah. And and here we are with it all. I mean, I mean, they, they were saying something about I can't remember now. Somebody was saying about the reason the ISS looks like the space station from 2001 is because it looks like the space station. from Because that's yeah. what these tech engineers grew up thinking a space yeah. station is supposed to look like. Whereas yeah. that was a creative choice for it to be. Yeah. I mean, the whole circuit, we could go on for ages about the use of circles. Yes. In, in the, the imagery and symbolism of circles in this and and then and right angles and stuff like that but yeah, yeah but it's it's kind of again it's just <laughs> it's it's wild you know and um, and it's interesting about the about the, like the primary colored spacesuits but you can still see an influence like in the the, the next guardians of the galaxy yeah movie, yeah they've got the primary colored spacesuits yeah yeah and yeah. i'm sure that's a, a direct yeah i yeah. as soon as i saw those i thought that's got to be because that feels like something james gunn would probably do yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah um yeah that that felt um I, t- I tell you what what i really liked about this film as well um is so i it's very rare for me that i'll see a film that i'll genuinely sit and think about a lot afterwards mm. um it's like i could probably name up like I could, like on one hand the number of films where I've genuinely been like rolling it around in my brain for like days I've been doing pretty much nothing but that 
with 2001. Mm. Like almost immediately as it finished, I went to read about 53 different articles about it. I did all the homework that you were whinging about earlier <laughs> because, <laughs> I, because I was just like, like t- just rabid for more of this film. <laughs> I was yeah. like, well, I need, I need more. I need, I need to know what everybody thinks of it. And then I, I started getting cross because I read people reviewing it saying it was crap. And I was like, all right, sure. What do you know about film? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Even though uh, I've said many times that, you know, uh, nobody can be wrong in their opinion of a film because it is fully down to your own enjoyment yeah, and yeah. thing. Quite, quite, yeah, yeah. Um, but like, so this this film has like fully stayed with me, and I imagine that I'll, I'll be watching this a lot. I think it, what what's really just totally bamboozling is the fact that The Shining is one of my favourite movies, not one of my favourite horror movies, genuinely one of my favourite movies generally. Mm-hmm. And so I just, I can't fathom why I've just been sitting on 2001 for like 37 years. <laughs> like, what's wrong with me? <laughs> I don't know. But I probably really wish I could go back and stay awake. <laughs> oh, I could have seen this in the cinema. See, to see in a yeah. cinema like i yeah i am mad i was mad at myself then anyway because it, yeah. the, you know the the sofa tickets at the electric ain't that cheap yeah, yeah, yeah. um mm. although to be fair they're not that much more expensive than just a regular old cinema ticket now to be fair True. um but yeah I, I was livid at myself at the time but i was so tired because it was so i don't do well in the heat yeah. like it, that, that's one thing like when we start recording during uh parts of the year when we get heat waves that's all i'll be talking about is how much i fucking hate it and i wish i was dead <laughs> <laughs> so like i was i was genuinely mad at myself though because i was like i've paid for this and what i've done is had an expensive nap yeah in an, <laughs> yeah, in an, a less comfortable bed yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, couldn't even put a fan on because it's not my house. Like, yeah. <laughs> because, because the thing is, Kubrick has directed some films that I haven't seen that I'd like to like. Um, Full Metal Jacket. Yeah. yeah, I've not seen that. I've not seen it, but it's one that I've always wanted to see. It's it's a weird film. Though, yeah. In that I, it's really good. Yeah. But it's two movies in one, and by the time you've I got through the first movie, I was done. So the yeah. first half of the movie is completely different and unconnected to the second half. Well, I say unconnected. The, the characters carry on. You know, the first half yeah, is like yeah. they're in basic training, and the second half is them in the in the field in Vietnam. Yeah. But kind of like the the first half is so good and so satisfying. You're kind of done mm. when that finishes. So it's it's a it's a strange movie again. It's, but then again, he makes a lot of strange movies. I just got to say, he's just he because Strange Love is Doctor Strange Love is very it's a funny movie. But actually, when you get to the other half of the movie, it's quite serious and quite yeah, dark. Yeah, it's, it's a it's a bitter. It is. Movie. Yeah. So again, it's it's the it's the two sides of the coin with Kubrick. It seems most of the time, um, and with this with two thousand and one, it just makes you want to think, and it makes me want to watch it again. And as I, I just I just like one section of it, and then you go batshit crazy either side of it, and I don't know what's yeah, happening. Yeah. Yeah. Ex- yeah. Exactly how I responded to it. When yeah, I was, and then kids just going. I don't know what these bookends. Yeah, mean. <laughs> and on IMDb they have a little. It's not even two minutes. Um, like showreel for Kubrick, and they'll they'll do like the Kubrick stare and the Kubrick, um, long mm. shots and all. They know that just just um showcasing the 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 Kubrick filming way, if you like. Mm. And I was watching that and just for those two minutes and you do just see that he was just, he was an amazing director yeah. um, and superb at what he, he, he put across in the film. 
he's an, an amazing visualist, not a great It's not maybe a storyteller. storyteller. Yeah, yeah, I think that's it, because although I think I don't enjoy The Shining as a film. No, I don't like The Shining. Um, I like the TV miniseries of it because it's a it's a closer telling. Even though I haven't read all of the novel, yeah. I know it's a closer telling of the novel. And yeah. and the Shining that Kubrick did is his. It's not Stephen King. Yeah, and yeah that's, it's, it's Kubrick's. That's yeah. also where I have a problem with it. Whereas yeah. Doctor Sleep, I loved and it was really creepy as fuck. And I and I really enjoyed. Yeah, I think Stephen King describes the movie The Shining as a great big beautiful race car with no engine. Yeah. And I think that's a pretty accurate description yeah. of how I feel about it. It looks it's, phenomenal. Yes. But there's, there's no guts to it. There's, I think I think that's the whereas, thing. Whereas the book, and I love the book. Yeah. The book is all about you know people. Mm. You know, mm. for all for all the horror and gruesomeness and stuff like that, Stephen King is a people writer. He writes yeah. people. Yeah. Um, but Kubrick's not into people particularly he's not, yeah. he's not bothered he, by the human connections yeah yeah he's, he's not bothered about you know jack torrance's fall from great he's like he's batshit crazy from the first i was gonna say yeah, he's he's crackers from that interview at the yeah. start yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah no I, kind of you know and it's like i don't there. yeah and it's like i don't enjoy watching the shining from a storytelling point of view yeah Oh, but from a beautiful. visual, but visually, yeah. it's stunning. From you know the the sweeping shots of the snow capped mountains, you know them yeah. driving up to the the hotel, to the blood coming through the elevator door. All of yeah. that is just stunning. And even the creepy ass twins at the end of the corridor yeah. that freaks me out every time. <laughs> and it's a bit, but again, it's different with two thousand one. That it's like he has. It's like with many directors we enjoy, whether it's Tarantino, Spielberg, Kubrick, they all have their thing that is their calling card that is them, yeah. you know. Mm. And although I could enjoy a Kubrick film from the element of that's visually beautiful, and I I just I will lap that up in my eyeballs yeah. every moment. But narratively, storytelling-wise, apart from Strange Love, <laughs> which is in itself that shit crazy in, in yeah. places well if there's he did a, a world war one movie called paths of glory mm. um with kurt douglas and having said that about he's not a great you know story to, that's a great storytelling movie yeah. that's a phenomenal that's I, yeah I, we had that poll what went round like what's your favorite movie yeah. for these various directors and i couldn't i couldn't really pick between 2001 and and paths of glory um, and almost for opposite reasons. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, 2001 is all about your brain and your intellect and Path of Glory is all about your guts. Um, and, and that, uh, you know, and that's, but yes, I mean, he can do, but I just don't think that's, but it's, and it's also kind of telling that that was early on in his career. And mm. as you, as you go further on in his career, he gets more and more towards the, the art end of the spectrum and, and that kind of stuff. So yeah. that's clearly where his his interests lay, you know. I think uh, I excused myself from the Kubrick one because, um, <laughs> yeah, I couldn't think of any to to put. Oh no, I did. I put Strange Love. It's okay. I yeah, put yeah, Doctor yeah, Strange Love. Yeah, it was Nolan. I had no care for. Yeah. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> but no, I, yeah, it's. Um, I'd like to see the sequel. 
like yeah, def- definitely watch 2010. Yeah, you'll like you'll like that. I I guarantee it. You'll you'll see. It's also got that. Helen Mirren and, and yeah, um, Helen Mirren's in it. Roy Scheider's in it. Roy Scheider's in it. Bob yeah. Balaban. It's 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 really good hard sci-fi, um, with you know nice dialogue and it's it's clear storytelling as well. There's a lot of stuff in there. It casts a lot of light onto some of the mysteries in in the 2001. Like mm-hmm. there's a whole subplot in the book about. Uh, a cold war between America and Russia that you don't get any of that in the film no. at all, really. That's that's be- there's a few slight hints in some of the dialogue, uh, but I feel like those are just kind of artifacts that are left over from the editing process. They're not there to tell you anything. They just just left over from a subplot that got excised. Right. So that that's more of a thing in 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 2010. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's obviously it's not the kind of visual. No, I, but I but I kind of yeah. appreciate that it's not trying to do Kubrick. I mean, yeah, it, I think it, if they'd have tried, people would have been like, "No, what have you done this for?" Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what happened with Star Trek: The Motion Picture. Yeah, they they wanted to do a Kubrick movie, a Star Trek. And you Trek, can, you can, you it's, can it's see how they frame. tried. Yeah, yeah, it's in every frame. It's one of yeah. the reasons I, I really I really rate. Star it's Trek a great movie. Picture. Yeah. I think it's a beautiful, beautiful movie. Again, it's 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 visual storytelling. It's it's a musical. It's a ballet and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I get that people don't get it because it's not. I mean, you look at Star Trek Two and go, yeah, I could see that's more popular for that reason, you know. Mm. Mm. Uh, but um, but yeah, but like say, um, Star Trek the motion picture got completely castigated. Um, you know the slow motion picture and all that kind mm. of stuff, but it it does the same thing. You can see what they were going for, and 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 they did the same tricks. And it's made by another esteemed director. You know, Robert mm. Wise isn't a hack. No, you know. Uh, but yeah, it's like we were saying. I, I think you know the the, the mass. It's not a mass audience film. I mean, the only reason it was popular really was the college. Uh, students caught onto it as a trip. They go stoned. They go. They take acid <laughs> and go you and must, see it. And then it, it became a hugely popular, which is really unusual for an art movie that's unpopular with critics to be popular with the public. That's wrong. Is it? <laughs> I totally get it. Could you imagine going stoned and then seeing that end sequence oh, yeah. through that? Oh, 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 Can you imagine? It, really? I've got to say, yeah, just seeing some of it slightly sleep groggy was truly <laughs> yeah. an experience. Yeah. A massive yeah. trip, yeah. I mean, the, the whole uh, him watching his life before his eyes at, at, yeah. at the end and then Space Baby, which, no, just yeah. no. We don't talk about Space Baby. We don't talk about Space Baby. <laughs> we should but it's again if we reflect on what it was also putting out you know like with hell 9000 who yeah. becomes somewhat <laughs> evil and controlling but look at what we're we're now seeing today with i mean with ai, with AI. Yeah. Yeah. yeah with ai yeah. Like, write you a song write your essay do this yeah. do that the other oh no that's that's a different kind of ai that's just plagiarism that is, yeah. That's <laughs> called AI. Yeah. You know. Yeah. There's no, there's no intelligence there. It's literally just. But anyway, that, that's all separate. It's, it's true, right. but I mean, looking at what AI but, can yeah. do and what it, yeah. whether well, it's being used to do something. Is there's, there's an interesting story. There was a scene that um, um, 
I said Gary Lockwood was saying that there was a scene that he was really struggling with. And he was talking about working with Kubrick. He said, I was, there was a scene that just wasn't working. I was getting very frustrated. And we basically, Kubrick just, you know, called cut for the day. And he says, you know, he took me aside and go, okay, what's going on? So I'm just not feeling this. There's something wrong. It's not working. And Kubrick was very open to suggestions. And he just said, well, you, you go and have a think about it and come back tomorrow with some solutions, what you think we could try. And what it was, it was, and he came back next day and and the scene he was talking about was the scene where uh frank and dave go off they want to talk about deactivating hal yeah and they go into the one of the pods where he can't listen to them and that was that was um gary lockwood's idea we go off and then he can't hear them we talk about it and then it turns out that um hal is reading their lips mm. and uh cubit really liked their idea and it's, it's in the film R.C. Clark didn't like that idea. He, he thought that was too far-fetched. <laughs> like a computer reading lips. And he said, and he said, I mean, when he, he, I, read, I saw an interview with him going, yeah, I didn't like that idea. I fought against it. I thought it was silly. It didn't make sense. And then literally there are computers that are designed to read lips now yeah. to help you yeah. know, hearing to impaired help people. Hearing impaired people, yeah. It's it literally there. It's a, it's a literally a thing. Mm-hmm. What I really liked about that scene as well is like just beforehand when they're sort of having the conversation with Hal about like, are you sure that you, you're not able to make mistakes? Like, are you 100% yeah, sure? Yeah, like, yeah. Mate, he's never going to tell you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This thing's evil. He's never going to tell you if he's fucked up. He ain't yeah. going to do it. <laughs> no. Well, it's, it's quite it's quite interesting. I mean, again, this is, again, a whole other debate. And I'm sure there's been whole books about, about how emotional is Hal. Does he, you know, there's that question going, does he have emotions? He's, you know, the, the, there's like the BBC interviewer says, well, I set some pride when he was talking about himself. And you go, well, you don't know. Is he programmed to sound like he cares or oh, does yeah. he actually care? You know, does he react? To, is he malfunctioning or does he, does is he scared that he's going to be deactivated? Yeah. And does well, he know well, he says, not? I'm scared, doesn't he? Yeah. He says, I'm scared. But is he just oh, saying that? I was going to say, what I found interesting about that whole sequence is that, so they show you that little video that's basically saying, like, look, actually, Hal's doing the right thing because we need to get to Jupiter and do this, you know, whatever it is we've got to do when we get there. Mm. Uh, and Hal's mission is essentially more important than yours. Um, but, you know, is, is when Hal's doing that whole, you know, I'm scared, why are you doing this to me bit, is that just him trying to appeal to the, the human side yeah, of Dave. Yeah. Um, but uh, I don't know. Like the, the whole film, it's, it, I've, like I say, I've read like a bazillion different <laughs> things about it since I only watched it like two days ago. You've managed uh, to it so much more than me. <laughs> I've, read, I've, I've read so many things. Well, it's because it's been lodged in my brain. So like, yeah, I, had to go, totally. I had to go to a meeting at an office on the other side of Birmingham today. So like on my bus journey, I was just reading articles and papers and things about it and it's what it's one of those films that i think is i personally think is easy enough to understand if you're paying enough attention that you enjoy it without all that extra stuff Mm. but if you really look into that extra stuff that that really enhances um you you get out of it what you put into it i think you mm. yeah you know, yeah. I think I think and this isn't a knock at Jenny and God knows I'm happy to knock Jenny and take the <laughs> pictures. But um, I, th- I think first time you are just going to flounder with it. Generally, I think yeah. it's one of those films. 
it's acceptable for you to just go what because it's it's designed to 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 make you do that it's designed to be a puzzle yeah. and a conundrum you know it's 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 definitely not feeding you anything it, it it will deliberately cut away from information that's going to throw like like the little video we were talking about where mm. it's, it feels like it's about to explain the plot to you yeah. And then it cuts away and then you, you and it just throws you then into the, the whole Stargate sequence. It's like, well, fuck that, man. Just you're, you're on your own, you know? Yeah. And just when you think you're getting you're, you're on firm ground with it, it's gone, you know? I mean, it it, it reminds when I was watching it and I'm pleased because the thing is, I, di- I didn't dislike it at all. Mm. It's just it's literally one that's just sort of bewildered me a bit that you just want to go back and watch it. And I think and I think that's that's all there is to it. So I'm I'm pleased I, I watched it and I was just like, nope, don't understand it, hate it because I didn't. Mm. And there was there was enough also happening there to keep me visually stimulated at the mm. same time. But I was watching it and part of me kept thinking of um, uh, a, a two part episode of The Bionic Woman. I know that sounds <laughs> mental, but there was there's a segue. It is, but they did this ep- these two part episode to Doomsday is tomorrow, and it was basically the Bionic Woman trying to stop like a supercomputer uh, destroy the world, and I just kept thinking of that. But it's it's like you can see where this obviously influenced the writers for that um, that story, where you can see how Terminator was influenced by Hal, and you know from the yeah, Terminator I mean, being I mean, destroyed there, and the red was, eye going yeah, off. Yeah, there was a. Yeah, there's a lot of supercomputer um, yeah. movies and stuff, you know, that you know, the, the Forward Project and and stuff like that. Um, how how much? I mean, it, it's all essentially Frankenstein. Yes. You know, uh, yeah. but it's it's yeah, I, I it, it, it's it's weird seeing these films in retrospect because it's hard sometimes to put together to join the dots between did this influence that or did this come first or did mm. something else that was from the same time influence that. Um, but but uh, but yeah, I I, I get you. Yeah, there's I, I and I do still find it interesting that you know with with Sight and Sound magazine, which is BFI and the British Film Institution or Institute institution, yeah, um, institute. institute that it that it topped the poll with the directors. Yeah, and it's, it's, it, a, it's a director's movie, isn't yeah, it? Really? it, it yeah, is. I think it is. Yeah, it is. Um, it's it's not a screenwriter. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. But I'm just, uh, I'm just overall, personally, I'm just pleased that I that I sat down and watched it and I didn't hate it yeah. because it's it is it is a it's masterpiece. One, it's one to think on. I think one yeah. of the reasons it's it's so sprawling and 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 kind of sparse really is it's literally giving you thinking room while you watch it. Yeah. yeah. To, yeah. to 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 my lover, why am I seeing this? What's what what is it showing me here and why why are we being shown this yeah uh, what does it mean and and so on and but also it, it's it, it will happily just pull the rug from under yeah. you don't, yeah no and that's and that's great because you know it's more thinking isn't it but yeah we we have already had films we won't mention any names but we've already had films that are big films that we didn't necessarily like or care for or we've been mm-hmm. like i've watched it now i don't need to see it again it was enough. Yeah. You know? And this is a this is a big sci-fi film that people are, you know, of 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 liking that genre are sometimes shocked you haven't seen. Especially when you say you're a film nerd, you know, it's like oh, how how can you not? Yeah. 
purpose. <laughs> it, so, yeah, I think I think if you're a sci-fi fan and you've not seen it, it's it's you put yourself in a weird yeah uh, place, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, so but, yes, so, so I mean, if I was to cap, say, like if we were coming to a close of this episode. Uh, which, which we probably should which we should yeah. because i'm looking at the, i'm looking at the clock at how long we've talked about it <laughs> what, one of us might need the bathroom <laughs> exactly and, and and my overall is that i'm glad i've watched it i yeah. want to watch it again and i definitely want to watch the sequel yeah um I'll say, yeah i'll say watch the sequel and then go back and watch the first yeah one. i think i think and that's what i would do kind of quickly as well while the first one's still fresh yeah in your yeah. head yeah um but I've got, I've got before we wrap up i've got some a few notes i want to touch on Go on. There's there's a few bits and pieces. Like one thing that I noticed for the first time this time is that when you, you first see the Discovery for the first time, the big spaceship, it's in a slow crawl away from the camera. And I thought that's the fucking start of Star Wars right there. It's mm. basically the Star yeah. Destroyer shot. Yeah. But Lucas just went that times 10 place yeah and and there's a and there's a there's a there's a shot again of um the discovery on the way to jupiter and there's a uh kind of uh, a musical piece it's the, it's the Guyan ballet suite by aran uh Kachaturian. uh and i thought that's the opening of of alien that that's the opening title sequence of alien the music and is very very similar um and and the shot is kind of Simmer, so that kind of struck me and and another bit i just wanted to mention was um we actually we mentioned it before i've mentioned it before but I'll, I'll repeat it now when we were talking about all about eve i mentioned a film called trog which is a really low budget british yeah. horror movie about a caveman who <laughs> goes on a rampage and i think i mentioned then that, that the the mask of trog is actually one of the eight masks from 2001. It looks a lot better in 2001. 2001. Than it does. <laughs> and that comes down to lighting and stuff like that, I think. Yeah. But um, but yeah, I, th- I think I think that might be about it. Oh, I will I will say there was a manga. If you enjoyed um, 2001 and enjoyed and you and you enjoyed 2010. And you like that kind of hard science fiction space exploration um, type story. There's, there was a manga called 2001 Nights by a guy called Yokinobu Hoshino. That's literally a sequence of uh, connected short stories about man's exploration of space and, and going forth and stuff like that. That's very hardcore science fiction, very 2001, as you can tell from the title really really good stuff okay um and kind of rare to they get that kind of hard science fiction um future history type stuff going on yeah it's, it's kind of hard to track down but if you can track it down it's really it's really really good and also if you can find any issues of the the marvel 2001 of space odyssey comic by jack kirby it, it will blow your mind <laughs> it will blow your mind i feel like i can avoid that though <laughs> You're not losing it. It's not going to throw any light on <coughs> on the movie at all. No. But it's 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 definitely a thing to to look at. I would also think that I can't remember if I I might have said this earlier on. I can't remember, but the the Daisy Daisy sequence where mm. um, where uh, 
Hallie's been lobotomized and he kind of asked uh, David, oh, I can, you know, do you want me to sing you a song? I was taught a song. Uh, Daisy Daisy was actually in real life the first song ever sang by a computer. Oh. Uh, oh. So you're literally. That's creepy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. literally seen how essentially being regressed to childhood there, which <laughs> just. Proper. Oh, no, that's making. That's oh, like, just each Yeah. Form. I think it was the phone company, like Bell phone company who, who did it. It's on YouTube. And if you listen to it, it is it is weirdly because it's obvious we're so used to what like a synthetic voice looks like, you know, on war games and, and everything else. But it, it is so kind of haunting. Particularly I don't think I ever want to hear. I can avoid that one too. It's creepy enough with Hal. I don't need to think of him being regressed to a child as well. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I need so, to yeah, feel so, sorry for the murdering robot type computer. <laughs> yeah. So that's so that's that's me. That I think that's all. I'm, I'm, that's I'm, all you. Yeah, I've got three pages of Are You Mad? This is a, this is a classic. <laughs> and again, you didn't need it. it didn't no. Need. See, Stace, what about you, sweetheart? What do you? I mean, I, I think I've I've said, you know, pretty much yeah. all I needed to say. But I I am I don't think I've ever watched anything and genuinely been cross that I haven't seen it sooner. Like yeah. I genuinely finished that movie and I was like, well, fuck. <laughs> 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 like what like what have I been doing with my here I am sitting here watching, I don't know, like terrible one star horror movies that are streaming for <laughs> a penny on amazon pro like the other day i, I watched i watched a before you you it's not like you don't watch a lot of movies i watch it's so many much. films i watch so many films and so many of them are bad yeah. and then i was <laughs> and then, like oh, treat yourself stace treat streaming is a really bad place to find classic movies and it's in print 1990 well, I think I think this is the thing is that like especially like um, the the first sort of like COVID year when me and Rich were pretty much the only thing we were doing when we weren't working was watching yeah. films because what else was there? It got to a point where we'd sort of like we'd watched all the sort of big good things that we could find on streaming services at the time. So then it was like, oh, we are watching this film from, I don't know, 1984 that's called like the body melting bodybuilder massacre. Yeah. And you're like, all right, fine. <laughs> <laughs> um and then you you watch it and you think oh that, that's an error i'm not air and off i'm not going back yeah, yeah. um uh, but yeah it's it's truly truly uh my letterbox review of this was uh truly baffling that i haven't watched this before now the fuck was i doing man <laughs> <laughs> and i think that sums it up really <laughs> i think it does yeah so so for us that was 2001 uh, space odyssey and again stace and i have managed to completely uh, piss off Lee because we've I'm turned out to trolled. like it. You are so, trolling me, I swear to God. He's just, he's completely fucked up. We'll get together now. going, he's expecting us to hate this one. We're going to love it, okay? <laughs> Even we are not that conniving. I mean, we are. I don't like to talk to either conniving. of you about the films that we're watching because no. I don't we want just, to give away. It's, yeah. it's, it's becoming a bit pathological and it was unplanned, but yeah. it's abs- I like absolutely don't want to give any clues. Yeah, the only, the, the only problem for me is that I do log everything on Letterboxd the instant I see it, otherwise I'll forget. So if either of you follow me on Letterboxd, you will know immediately whether or not I liked it. 
I mean, I do, but I don't really use it very much at all, if ever. So it's okay. That's fine. Don't don't look directly at me. It's fine. That's fine. Cool. Cool. (laughs) Like a Gorgon. Excellent. So if that was 2001, if I'm right, Lee, it's your choice next. Yeah. So is it, what is it? Is it Get Carter next? I believe. Is is it? Is it? Is it, is we it discussed this because let you me, wanted let to me get the let me get the photo up. <laughs> I believe it is. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's it get is. Carter yeah. Next. yeah, yeah. Because you said I don't want to do that. I want to do this. Yeah, so yeah. We're we're, we're, I'm going to do something else, and I've changed my mind. So and yeah, get Carter, which none of us have seen, right? No. Yeah, I've okay. never seen it. Never seen, and this is a rarity. I d- I don't think any of the ones. Oh, imagine if we all hate it. Oh, that's really well, going to be. Yeah, a... I mean, yeah, I mean, it's going to make make for a boring. Yeah, but we are watching the the original, the Michael Caine one. Yes. We are not yes. the Sylvester Stallone remake. No, we're watching. <laughs> no, thank you. So, we are okay. watching Michael Caine. Okay, next month, get Carter, but the original uh, Michael Caine. Yeah, version. 1971. 1971. Another ten years, and I'd be born. You're yeah. welcome, Lee. I was one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't do this on purpose because it's his birthday. I promise. <laughs> However, it just—it's funny how it happens. <laughs> so, well, thank you as ever for joining us for another episode of Never Seen, and this one being 2001: A Space Odyssey. And we look forward to all of us watching a film none of us have ever seen before. Yeah. Oh, by the way, before we go, yeah. See you next Wednesday. That's see a, you next I throw, Wednesday. I throw you back, throw back to American Werewolf. The, the yes, John Landis yes. see you next Wednesday. This is where it's from. Yes. Frank, <laughs> I, I wrote Eric. that down. Why didn't I mention it? <laughs> Fucking idiot. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. I say, see you next Wednesday. That's where it comes from. Okay. So, okay. okay. Well, now I don't Sorry. feel slightly offended. Uh, so that's good. <laughs> and now and we can leave. <laughs> and on that note, and on that bombshell. It's a goodbye from me and a goodbye from Stacy. Toodle pit bobs. And a goodbye from Lee. Bye. Until next time, this is Never Seen. Hey everyone, if you'd like to follow Never Seen on the socials, you can find us on both Twitter and Instagram at neverseen underscore pod. If you'd like to follow me on Twitter, I'm at angelj5. You can find Stacy on both Twitter and Instagram at Stacy's Parlour. That's Stacy spelt with an E-Y and Parlour with a U-R. And you can find Lee on Twitter at lovelylee underscore G.